uh, notes this morning, go ahead and pull out your bulletin. We're going to uh, dive into the teaching time. It's going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Um, but we wanted to spend time just sharing how God has been our anchor. Um, and the beautiful thing is that our God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even this morning, I, I read this in Psalm 90. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God never changes. So the God who was our anchor in the past is ready to be our anchor again. But for him to be our anchor, it begins with a relationship with him. He can't be our anchor if we don't know him. And even if we do know him, there's work on our part to ensure he's there to be our anchor when we need him. Now, I did say God never changes. So if God was our anchor in the past, why do we have to work to ensure that he's our anchor again? And here's what I want you to catch. It's hard to rely on an anchor if it's not close, ready to be used. It's hard to lean on God if he's not close. And if he's not close, he isn't the one who moved. I have a couple pictures of Gabriel next to a tree in our front yard. Okay, One where he's very close to the tree, and it's nice that he has this bright blue sweatshirt so that you can see that he's there. And then one where he's a little bit further from the tree. Okay. When he and the tree are farther away from each other, kids, this is a question for you guys. When, when Gabriel and the tree are farther away from each other, who moved? You said Gabriel. Gabriel. How many say Gabriel? How many say the tree? Okay, thanks, James. <laughs> the immovable object isn't the one who moves. And God is the immovable object. He never moves. We are the ones that withdraw ourselves from his presence. Let's say Gabriel's using the tree as a base in a game. So as Gabriel wanders farther away, how much harder is it for him to get back to the tree if he needs to be back there. It gets harder to get back as he gets farther away. If we wander from our close relationship with God, if we let ourselves get distracted, if we don't put effort into our relationship with him, we will by nature find ourselves farther and farther from him. And when we need him, it will be harder to rely on him, harder to get back to him because of the distance that we have allowed in. The relationship with God takes work to maintain, and he asks us to do it. Just as with any relationship, our relationship with him takes work to maintain, to strengthen, to grow. So this morning, I'm going to point out from Scripture four different ways to maintain, strengthen, and grow your relationship with God so that he will be there as your anchor when you need him. And with each of these, I'll point out an example from the Old Testament an example from the life of Jesus, and a few suggestions of how to accomplish these. And though I'm going to be talking about a lot of things to do, the heart behind all of these is to have Christ as our anchor, 
to fall in love with him more, to know your Savior so deeply that when storms arise, you can reach right out to him because you've been drawing closer and closer to him every day. We're going to let scripture teach this morning as we do each and every Sunday. And this morning we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture uh, and reading longer passages, letting God's words be the instructor. And know too that I'm not sharing this because I'm perfect or have this all nailed down. Even in just the past few weeks, God has convicted me of slipping in these different disciplines and reminded me of the importance of keeping each of these up. And the four things we're going to be looking at this morning are prayer, Bible reading, memorization, and study or devotions. And as we do that, let me, let me just start off with the first one and pray. God, um, thank you so much for being our anchor. Just how refreshing it is to hear how you are in our lives, how you have been our anchor through the midst of the storms that you've thrown at us in 2019, the midst of the storms that we've had to to face and experience. God, to know that you've been with us through those, anchoring us, oh, is so good. God, help us to continue to lean on you. Help us, God, just to draw closer to you, God. And as we look at these disciplines, God, let us have the heart of just wanting more of you. And not to do these out of obligation or duty, but to do these out of a desire for more of you. A desire to have a closer and deeper and more intimate relationship with you. Because that's what you want. You're inviting us into that, God. So God, just bless this time. Amen. Now, before we look at these four areas, why are we using the illustration of an anchor? Why have we been talking about God as our anchor? There's two reasons for this. The first is that the Bible talks about God as our anchor. Let me read out of Hebrews 6, and it's up here on the screen. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in these two verses, but I wanted to focus your attention on the words anchor and hope. The illustration of the anchor is trying to help the readers realize that God is something secure, something stable that can be relied on in the midst of a storm. It's also pointing to the fact that when we rely on Jesus, we can have a hope that Jesus is with us and interceding for us. Many of you talked about he was here, he never leaves, and that's true, he never does. In fact, listen to these verses with a little bit more context. I'm just going to go back a couple of verses. It says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, 
He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, we can have hope because God promised it to us. He never changes and he doesn't lie. Now, the second reason we're talking about an anchor is that the early church used the anchor as a symbol. These are some pictures of markings on early Christian tombs. The anchor was used to communicate that these were Christian tombs. And they were specifically put on tombs to point people towards the hope we have as believers that death is not the end for Christians. Now, you see that fish was also used as an early Christian symbol. But there's another common Christian symbol that's kind of masked in here, but shows up in all three of these. Kids, can can you see that other Christian symbol? What do you see? A cross. Good eyes. Yeah, exactly. There's a cross there. See, the cross wasn't used as a Christian symbol until much later, probably around 350 AD when Constantine outlawed crucifixion. See, before that, they were afraid to use the cross as a symbol because they were afraid they'd be put on one. Um, But after that point, when uh, crucifixion was was outlawed, they started using the cross by itself as a a Christian symbol. But before that, they were still using it, just kind of like sneaking it in, but using the anchor. Now, kids, uh, if you'd like to draw as we go this morning, uh, my encouragement is to draw an anchor on your paper. Maybe incorporate uh, the verse in Hebrews or another Christian symbol. Have fun with it. Be creative. Uh, Adults, you can do that too. That's just fine. So how do we keep Jesus as our anchor? Though there is so much more to developing a relationship with Jesus than doing these disciplines, this is certainly a good place to start. As you spend more time in each of these, really engaging with each, you'll get to know your Savior better and better, and it will be that much more natural to lean on him as your anchor when the storms arise. Remember, the purpose of each of these is to get to know your Savior better. You're not trying to earn points or become a better Christian You're doing this to fall more in love with Jesus. Okay, let's dive into these. And yes, I'm bringing this up intentionally around the time that people make New Year's resolutions. Not to add another resolution to your list, but rather to look at 2020 as a good time to commit or recommit to one or more of these. Remember, with each of these, we're going to look at an Old Testament example, an example from the life of Jesus, And I'll offer strategies of how to add these to your regular time with God. So let's begin with prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God. How can you have a relationship with someone that you never talk to? It can't happen. In Exodus uh, 33, it says this. uh, Moses is, is spending time Uh, with the Lord, and, and he would go into a tent and spend time with him. And it says this, 
When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's the kind of communication I want with God. That's that kind of relationship. All right. In the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at Daniel. And uh, in Daniel chapter 6, uh, Daniel is uh, brought in as one of the leaders uh, during Judah's exile into Babylon. And uh, let's uh, read in Daniel 6. If you want to flip over there, fine. If, if you want to just listen along, that's fine as well. It says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaining against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any other fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And that's the key phrase right there, as he had done previously. This was important to Daniel no matter what else was going on. We make time for what's important. Daniel made time for prayer with God. Now, many of you know how the story ends. He gets thrown into the lion's den for praying. Then God saves Daniel from the lions. But that's not the point. The point is that he's faithful to praying no matter what. So that's our Old Testament example. We also know that Jesus prays. It's mentioned often in Scripture. He teaches his disciples to pray. Uh, He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's crucified. But let me just read out of Luke chapter 5. In verses 15 and 16 it says, But now even more the report came about him, went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus' popularity was growing and more people were finding out about what he was doing. And he made time intentionally to go away 
and pray by himself. I need time, just me and the Lord, to go and pray. Jesus did. You see the commonality? Both Jesus and Daniel set aside time to pray. Again, we make time for the things that are important. A lot of people talk about, oh, I just don't have time. You make time for the things that matter, for the things that are important. So make time for this. It's important. There are plenty of tools out there to help with prayer, to keep it focused and intentional. Two very effective methods are using a prayer journal and using a prayer method called praying the Bible. A prayer journal. Uh, There's both digital and physical options. One digital option I've been using recently and enjoying is called the prayer notebook. Now, it's only available on iOS. Sorry, Android users. Um, But uh, Laura tells me that she loves using a paper journal. Uh, I don't get it. I'm I'm, I'm a digital guy. Um, But the idea is to have something that reminds you who to be praying for, how to pray for them, and rejoice when you see God answering those prayers. It's amazing to have a prayer written down and be praying for it in months later, weeks later, years later, seeing that prayer answered and going, wow, I've been praying for this. So that's kind of the, the bigger point. And by the way, like as I toss up different uh, resources, all of those are on the back of your sheet, uh, so you don't need to be uh, writing them down super fast. They're all there for you. Um, the other thing I mentioned is praying the Bible, and uh, this was a great little book um, that I read through about it, and the whole concept behind it is using God's word as a prompt when you pray. Now, you don't need to get the book or read the book to grab onto the concept. The idea is you sit down and you open scripture and you start reading it. Uh, I'm open right now to Luke chapter 6, and I, and I read, and it says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And so I'll read that and then use that as a prompt to pray. God, I pray for those that are poor. I pray for those that are in need. I pray for those that are sick. And just use that as a prompt to pray. It's not about exact exegesis or anything. It's just using that as a prompt to get your mind going. And then after you pray over that verse for a little bit, you read the next verse. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. God, help me to be satisfied in you. God, help my satisfaction uh, be fully rooted in you so that I'm not drawn away by other things or whatever it is. God, I pray for those that are hungry. I pray for those that don't have a meal to eat today. Whatever it is, whatever comes to your mind, right? And maybe like you jump and like you're thinking about lunch and then you're thinking about, you know, wherever you're going and then you start praying for the person that's going to be preparing that lunch. That's great. That's the whole point of it is just using it as a prompt to get your mind going and thinking um, and praying for others. All right, so that's prayer. Next, uh, let's move on to Bible reading. So prayer is talking with God, and Bible reading is getting to dive into the words he's given to us. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It gives insight into his character, his heart, and his plan for us. It instructs us in how he wants us to live. It would be foolish to think you can grow in your understanding of God through prayer alone without reading his word. 2 Timothy 3, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In the Old Testament, we're going to look at Josiah. In 2 Kings 22. And here we get to see the convicting power that scripture has. It says, starting in verse uh, 8, 
And Hilkiah the high priest and Shaphan the secretary said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. They were cleaning out the temple. And uh, Hilkiah finds the book of the Lord, some of the old scrolls. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Asaiah the king's servant saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Here he reads God's words and is convicted by it. We haven't been doing this and we need to change. We should have that same reaction when we read scripture. It convicts us. Jesus also reads scripture in Luke chapter 4. He reads it and applies it. And he came up to Nazareth. uh, This is in Luke 4, starting in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, granted, the way Jesus applies scripture is very different than the way that you or I would. Because all scripture is about him. But the mere fact that he regularly reads scripture, as was his custom, shows us the importance of reading. We need to spend time regularly in God's word. Now, there are plenty of apps and websites that can help with this, but the Bible app and website, Bible.com, is one of the best. Uh, You can choose a plan to read. You can get regular reminders to read. And as you add friends on the app or website, you can get accountability and encouragement to read. Of course, that's just one tool to help you do what needs to be done. Read the Bible. Many people see reading through the Bible as a daunting task, but it's much more attainable than people think. If you read just one chapter of the New Testament every weekday, that's Monday through Friday, you will finish reading through the whole New Testament in a year. If you spend just 25 minutes a day reading through God's Word, you will finish reading through the entire Bible in about six months. Just 25 minutes a day. So if you want to do it a year, that's talking about 12 to 13 minutes a day. It's very attainable. Very achievable. The more reading the Bible is a part of your daily routine, 
the more you will find it being helpful in your daily life. I'm constantly blown away by how I read something in the morning, and then later that day I find out why I needed to read that specific passage, because it applied directly to a situation or conversation that arose that very day. Now, a good book to encourage you uh, towards getting more out of your Bible reading is called How to Enjoy Reading Your Bible by Keith Farron, a book I read and, and was really, really encouraging. But whether you use one of these resources to help you or you just sit down and start reading, it's important to have a plan as you read so that you know where you're headed. It will keep you motivated. Maybe you write it down on a calendar and check it off as you read, giving yourself a reward as you complete a month or something like that. But be sure to let someone else know what your goal is so they can help keep you accountable. Okay, both prayer and Bible reading get mentioned often. I feel like the other two don't get as much attention, but they're also important in helping grow your relationship with Jesus. And the first of these is Bible memorization. We memorize things that are important so we can recall them when necessary. We memorize our home address. We memorize our internet passwords. We memorize information needed for a test or a project. We used to memorize phone numbers, but we don't bother anymore because we have smartphones that do it for us. But God's words should be on this list of memorization. Why? Well, first, we're told to memorize it. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They can only be on your heart when you've memorized them, when you've been soaking in them. The Pharisees would memorize the entire Torah. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy, the whole thing. They'd commit it to memory. We're told to memorize God's word. Second, we memorize so that we can have it when we need it. In Jesus' temptation, we see the usefulness of having Scripture memorized. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written. That means he's got God's word memorized. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And Satan starts quoting scripture to Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He's taking God's words and twisting them to serve his purpose. But see, Jesus knows God's word. He, he is God. Granted, he's got a little bit of an advantage. Um, but <laughs> Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He knows those verses, but he knows the context behind them, and he knows the totality of Scripture. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus had scripture ready to battle the lies of Satan. 
There have been many times in my life where I've been in a situation where I needed scripture and was able to recall the passage I needed because I had previously memorized it. We are instructed to memorize God's word so that we have it when we need it. Psalm 119.11 sums this up pretty well. It says, I have stored your word in my heart, or many of you know it, I have hidden your word in my heart, that I may not sin against God. This is a part of my daily time with God that I've added back in a little bit more recently. Uh, There are many resources out there, both digital and physical. An app I've found very helpful is simply called Verses, and it's available on both Android and iOS. Uh, It has lots of tools to help you memorize scripture. But another helpful tool is the amazing index card. (laughs) (laughs) Writing down verses on cards and then keeping them with you so that you can review is a great tool to memorize. And guess what? When you're writing it down, that's helping you memorize it. Now, there's lots of other different memory packs that you can purchase to get a bunch of verses already printed out on cards if you want to do that. And some of you are musical, and there's a lot of different musicians that have recorded songs that are scripture verses. Memorize the song, and you've memorized the scripture. All right, and you guys are not listening fast enough, not even close. Uh, Finally, we're going to talk about study and devotions. And this is simply taking more time in God's word to get more out of it. Diving in more to understand better and apply it to your daily life. This can be done individually and with others. Parents, this is something you're responsible to do for your family. Again, uh, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, it continues. It says, you shall teach them... Uh, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And it talks about just how important having God's word just as a part of your daily life is. But a second place to see the passion for a deeper understanding of God's word is uh, Psalm 119. Now, we don't have time to read the whole thing this morning, but there are a few verses that show this passion. Here's just a few. Verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Verse 124, deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. Now in Jesus' life, we see him at 12 years old in the temple. And in Luke 2, he's, he's sitting there and, and discussing. In verse 46, it says, After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. We see Jesus spending time learning from others, most likely with the scrolls open in front of them as they discussed. We also see that Jesus grew in wisdom. Part of that very likely came from time in the scriptures studying it. Now, there's lots of resources to help you grow in this area. And I'd encourage you just uh, to ask others if you're looking for, to study something specific or lead devotions with your family. But there are two resources we already have available here at NBC that I just wanted to point you towards. The first is our community groups. And this is a great place to study and dive in deeper with others. 
Uh, we have groups that meet throughout the week, and this is just a great opportunity to get in to God's word in a deeper way. And then also, uh, we have family ministry devotionals. So there's uh, um, a resource that we use, and we kind of walk through uh, the scripture. We're just about to finish up with the Old Testament, and then we're going to start the New Testament again. Um, but these are devotionals that go along with what we teach on Sundays to give you as parents just an opportunity, like here's something for you to be doing with your kids every single day, uh, and just diving in uh, even more. But something uh, even easier than that is just whatever you're reading in your own reading plan, just bring it to others and talk about it. Like, let, your, let what you're doing on your own just filter into conversation with others. And maybe as you're going through, you find a passage that you want to dive into more and just study it. Friends, I know I just gave you a lot. It would be easy to, to leave here overwhelmed at the number of different things that you're failing at, the number of things you have to start doing, but that's not why I'm sharing this with you. Again, that's not the point of this morning. Remember that the heart behind all of this is to have Christ as our anchor, to fall in love with him more, to know your Savior so deeply that when storms arise, you can reach right out to him because you've been drawing closer and closer to him every day. We've talked about four different disciplines to help keep Jesus as your anchor. We got to hear amazing testimonies of how Jesus has been our anchor in the past. We share those to remember how Christ has been our anchor. And we're going to finish our year together by remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross by taking communion together. Dan, go ahead and come on up. <clears throat>